Why live a good life? You know that if you do something bad, if you ask God to forgive you, He will forgive you. So why live a good life? You know that you do not live a good life to earn your way into heaven. You can never be good enough to satisfy God's perfect holiness. So why live a good life? Teenager, why live a good life at school? Single person, why live a good life when you're dating? Whether you're married or divorced or widowed or a parent, why live a good life? The Apostle Paul has written an entire New Testament book devoted to the subject of telling us we are to live good lives, and he tells us why we're to do it. It is the 46th verse letter to his disciple, Titus. The theme of his letter is that Christians are called to devote themselves to doing what is good. Six times in the letter, he uses two Greek words, ergon, agathon, good deeds, which we translate doing what is good. Uh, that's the theme of the book. These, these good deeds are not done to earn our way into heaven. They are done in response to God's love and grace. We live a good life in gratefulness for God's mercy. If you're not a follower of Christ, today you will learn what will be expected of you if you give your life to Christ. So today we come to the third chapter of Titus. Paul began or begins by telling Titus to remind the people. What is he to remind the people of? Uh, a pastor's job is to teach, to encourage, uh, to exhort, uh, but also to remind. Uh, we must avoid the temptation of always being original. Uh, Paul says, It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples, Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000? Remember Jesus fed 5,000 people? And how many basketfuls you gathered? They gathered 12 basketfuls and they're done. This is a few days later. The disciples are hungry. They wonder what they're going to do for food. And the reason they were wondering that is they had not remembered what Jesus had just done a few days before. C.S. Lewis writes in his famous uh, Mere Christianity, people need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. The real job of every moral teacher is to keep on bringing us back time after time to the old simple principles which we are all so anxious not to see, like bringing a horse back and back to the fence it refused to jump, or bringing a child back and back to the bit in its lesson that it wants to shirk. Uh, we must never forget that Jesus died on the cross. We are to remember God's love. We remember God bringing the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. And we remember what Paul says to Titus, that we are to live good lives, not in order to earn God's favor, but in gratefulness for his mercy. Paul tells Titus to remind people of the simple truths of the gospel that we learned when we came to Christ. We must never forget them, for they are our motivation for doing good. 
Why live a good life? What's our motivation for living a good life? We live a good life in gratefulness for God's mercy. Paul suggests three reasons we should live a good life uh, out of gratefulness for God's mercy. Last week I shared with you two reasons from chapter 2. Today is a repeat and an expansion on what I shared last week. One, we live a good life so we do not return to slavery to sin. Paul writes, at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Now, Paul reminds us the kind of life we lived before we came to Christ. Intellectually, we were foolish and deceived. Morally, we were disobedient and enslaved to all kinds of passions and pleasures. As a result, we experienced relational fallout, malice, envy, and hating one another. Sin always ruins relationships. Who would want to return to their life before knowing Christ? Christ died to redeem us from all that. It might be helpful to see our lives before we knew Christ like a bird in a cage. The bird is trapped. It's not free. It can't get out. It's stuck. Well, Jesus comes and he saves us by dying on the cross for all of our sins. If we put our faith in him, it's like he opens the door and we're free to fly out. We still have a sin nature, but now we have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us want to live a good life. We're free. We have liberty. But many of us crawl back into the cage and become enslaved once again to the sins that used to hold us. Paul tells us a second reason we should live a good life. We live a good life out of gratefulness for God's mercy in saving us by the Holy Spirit. Paul writes, But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, that's Jesus coming, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. We live a, great, a good life out of gratefulness for God's mercy. We don't take credit ourselves for salvation. We're grateful to God. Think of it this way. If I bought one of my five sons a new Ferrari for his birthday, uh, which would never happen, if he then judged fellow students who rode their bikes to school or walked to school, it would be absurd. He has to understand that he's a spoiled kid that has a new car only by a gift from his dad. It's not something he can brag about. In the same way, when we come into a right relationship with God through Christ's death on the cross, it's nothing to brag about. It's by God's mercy. We live a good life out of gratefulness for God's mercy. Viktor Frank, Frankl, a, Vietnamese, a Viennese Jew, was in a concentration camp during World War II in Auschwitz. He learned that one of the best ways to stay alive was to make sure he shaved every morning. 
even if that meant, you know, using a, a broken piece of glass. Because every morning they would line up all the prisoners and the ones that looked sickly, they would pull out a line and send to the gas chambers. If you had shaved and your face was ruddier for it, you had a better chance of staying alive. Uh, Their bodies wasted away on a fare of 10.5 ounces of bread and 1.75 pints of thin gruel. Three short whistles woke them every morning at 3 a.m. to go to work. As they stumbled through the dark to work, the thing that kept Frankel alive was thinking of his wife. He didn't want to give up so he could see her again. So we live a good life out of gratefulness for God's love and his mercy. When we commit our lives to Christ, he pours out the Holy Spirit on us. Paul writes, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Uh, The Spirit renews us so that we want to live a life of doing good. We want to please God. Uh, We no longer belong to ourselves. We belong to the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul asks, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? If you know Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price, the price of Christ's death on the cross, His blood. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. We live a good life to honor the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. It's so important to understand that God doesn't just save us. He also renews us by the Holy Spirit. We must never think of salvation as nothing more than forgiveness. God also regenerates us when he bestows the Holy Spirit upon us. He gives us the will and the desire to live a good life. When we say, I have no power over sin, I just can't help myself, we're denying the power of the gospel. That God has given us his supernatural power by his Holy Spirit. You have in you the same power which God used when he raised Christ from the dead. We're to listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Every night after dinner, I clean up the kitchen And uh, while I'm doing it, I watch the news. Well, one night this week, uh, when I got done finishing the kitchen, the news was not done. So I sat down to watch the rest of it. I heard a prompting of the Holy Spirit telling me I should get upstairs to Jory because we were going for a walk and then we were going to watch a show. But I just sat there. I ignored the prompting of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was doing everything he could to help me. But I blew him off. The third reason we're to live good lives is because God has adopted us as heirs into his family. Paul writes, So that, having been justified by his grace, Christ's death on the cross, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. We are heirs of God. We are adopted into his family. 
We want to live good lives now so that we won't bring dishonor to God's family. This is a powerful motivation for doing good. Paul continues, This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. That's the theme of the book. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. So Paul tells Titus to stress these things. What things? The things he's just been talking about. That God has rescued us from enslavement to sin. That God has renewed us by outpouring his Holy Spirit on us. That God has adopted us into his family. Paul wants us to see that there's an immediate link between what we believe and what we do. We must never stray from the doctrine of salvation. We must repeat it, for it is our motivation for doing good. We live a good life in gratefulness for God's mercy. It's easy for us to lose the connection between what we believe and what we do. If you've given your life to Christ... You know that God loves you and that you're saved by his grace. And it's not by your works, but it's easy to slip back into working to earn God's favor. And forget that you're saved by grace. Remembering God's mercy towards you is a powerful motivator to live a good life. What does the life of, of, of doing good deeds look like? Paul mentions a couple things as he closes this letter to Titus. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. We're to avoid silly arguments about trivial things that have no bearing on our salvation and don't promote us to living a good life. They're foolish questions about things which God has not chosen to reveal to us. They're unprofitable. They lead nowhere. Paul writes, Remind the people to be subject to the rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. All these virtues have to do with getting along with people. We're not to slander other people. Always be careful before you make an accusation against someone. In our day of social media, people are accused, tried, and convicted in the court of public opinion before they can even gather evidence. And then if you say, oh, you know, I kind of exaggerated, I kind of overstated, I'm sorry, it's too late. Their reputation has been ruined. Maybe forever. Paul continues... Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive life. In a healthy Christian life, there's a connection between what we believe and what we do. Doing what is good. That's what Titus tells us. Is your life characterized by doing what is good? A girl was looking at her mommy and she was praising her for how beautiful she was. Your hair is so beautiful, mommy. Your skin is so smooth. And, but why didn't you take care of your hands? They're all scarred and 
wrinkled. The mom said, you know, I made a mistake when you were little. You were just a little girl, and I was ironing, and I had to go out for a few minutes, and I thought it would be safe to leave you. I left the iron plugged in, and when I drove back to the house, the fire truck was in front of our house, and the house was in, in flames. And I just rushed past the fireman and went in and, and then grabbed you. And in doing so, I burned my hands. Jesus scarred his hands and his feet and his entire body to save you. We live a good life out of gratefulness for God's mercy. If you've never committed your life to Christ, you could... Commit your life to him today as we pray. Tell him thank you for his mercy toward you in sending Christ to die for your sins. Ask him to come in and forgive your sins. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are merciful to us. You saw us troubled here on earth with all our sins, and you sent your son to show us that you love us and to die for our sins so that we can be restored to a right relationship with you. We thank you. And now we want to live a good life out of gratefulness for your mercy to us. So I invite you to pray right now. Tell God that you want to live a good life this week and your motivation is out of gratefulness for his mercy. And if you've never invited Christ into your life, tell him you believe he's the son of God, that God raised him from the dead and you want him to come in today. You pray. Father, thank you that you are such a merciful God. You don't want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. And you've done everything you can to make a way for us to do this by sending your son to die for our sins. If we will just put our faith in him and invite him into our lives. And we want to live good lives this week at home, at work, in our neighborhoods, everywhere we go motivation is going to be not to earn your favor, but in gratefulness for your mercy. In Jesus' name we